Welcome to Footy Fellas, coming at you from Chicago, just Chicago today. We're here to talk Premier League Game Week 7, a Brighton beatdown by Aston Villa, Manchester malaise, this time including Man City as well, plus a dramatic and controversial ending to Liverpool Tottenham, which had even Man United superfan Gary Neville feeling bad for his longtime rivals. I've gone soft, Rob. Why do I feel sorry for Liverpool Football Club? I should be... I should be dancing in the air with a Tottenham fan singing about Big Ange. Welcome to Footy Fellas. Welcome, welcome to Footy Fellas. just the Chicago boys in the house today and we're on fire like the Chicago fire how you feeling tonight Max I'm doing all right I'm doing all right all things considered yeah United's not great that's fine the league is alive which we'll talk about with the sound uh, of music the sound of music the sound of upset but I'm happy Mm. so can I really be upset (laughs) (laughs) see what I did there Hard to be upset when you're going to the Chicago Fire match this week against Inter-Miami. And word on the street, I've read a couple articles and they said it might get a little messy out there. <laughs> so graciously, Caleb Flack, one of the members of our, um, of, well, a dear a dear friend and also a contributor to, to the podcast back in the day. Uh, his family happened to score a couple tickets to the game, uh, kindly invited me. Unfortunately, it does look like Messi might be missing the match through injury. He might be missing a few matches, but um, you know what? We'll we still go to the game and we still storm the field if he doesn't if, if, if Messi doesn't take the field. So it's a win-win regardless. That's a that's a thing for the Flack families. Every MLS game they go to, they do they just storm the field or they streak? Is it both? Well, it's a little of both. It's um it's a temperature related thing. Uh-huh. If it's if it's too warm, they they keep clothes on, and if it's too if it's if it's cold enough, then they'll they'll let it rip. So, well, I'll monitor the weather. I'll keep you posted. Respect. I hope for your sake, Messi plays. Of, of course, it'd be great to to see the goat in action, but we'll see. Given his injury, let's talk Premier League though, because that's what we're here for, and that's what you're here for. Let's talk about a storyline that we each were thinking of this weekend. My storyline this week, uh, nothing crazy, uh, though I guess the storyline inherently implies crazy. Uh, We're looking at upsets. Uh, As alluded to, the Premier League is alive. It's not not binary. There isn't just one team who takes takes the crown by divine right. There are upsets. There There is drama. There is chaos. You have good teams losing and bad teams winning. Um, a couple key like upsets in in my eyes. One is you know the weekend started off with Ashton Villa beating down on Brighton, which uh, you know well, well I guess we can we can break it down in each game, but that kind of set the tone for the weekend. Where then you had United losing to Crystal Palace, which I you know it's technically an upset because United's a little higher and it's at home, but you know whatever. Uh, you have Wolves, obviously, over City. You have uh, you have uh, Luton over Everton. I hate to say it, but that's that's a freaking upset. Uh, you know, a lot of these a lot of these games make the league interesting, and I was starting to get worried uh, 
that we were heading down a path where you didn't see uh, that kind of uh, vulnerability and variability. So uh, very excited. It took till week seven, but but it's it's confirmed. The league has a pulse. It is alive. Let's run, baby. Got a real challenge at the top of the table with City finally dropping their first points. So it makes things more exciting. Plus Luton, we thought they might have been the last team to potentially get their first win, and they they proved the haters wrong, taking down Everton, another team that now will sink below them in the table. So some good some good stuff this weekend. I wanted to talk about slash discuss the red card on Liverpool's Curtis Jones and the way he got sent off against Tottenham. We were watching the game together, Jones, and we talked about how that specific challenge has been called in the past where a player dives in, their foot makes contact with the ball and kind of slides over the top of the ball and then connects with the opposition's ankle. So you have that foot against the high ankle, which I get traditionally it's a red card. You could break someone's ankle. You could seriously injure them. I get that piece of it, but it feels like the challenge on the ball, making significant contact with the ball, and then your foot kind of sliding over the top of it should play a role potentially. And at the very least, we agreed they've been consistent calling this against Casemiro in the past and some other folks, but me and you in the moment thought maybe that's not maybe that's not a red, and they did call it a red. I'm curious what you think now that it's a couple of days later. Since since then, they they've also come forward and acknowledged that they they messed up the uh, the the non offside offside call on Luis Diaz who who went in and scored and would have would have put Liverpool up I think two one at that point. Um, so in in that context, it, it makes the call feel even more egregious. Yes, it's consistent. I think I think there's an argument to be made that by going at the ball with some form of your stud or or even toe, I mean, it's not even really fair with Curtis Jones because I don't think he's going for it with his stud. But regardless, coming at it at an angle where there is the possibility that your 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 foot, your stud could slip over and then hit the opponent. I guess that's what they're they're trying to the guard for, but realistically I, I i do think it's it's a pretty ridiculous call i think it's a call that if you aren't calling that in real time and you need slow motion to 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 make that call I, then you know is that is that really even fair because what we're circling back to is what's the what's the purpose of var um and is it is it actually helping the game or is it um, just giving us—is it just giving us a, gr- a greater microscope to examine the f- the flawed aspects of it? Um, and and this is a situation where you know whether you support either team in in that game, I think it's it's just a soft. It's a very soft red. It's a red that at minimum should only be you know you should only miss that game and, and should be back right away. That, no, That's a no fair point. When, no change from when we last spoke. Maybe retroactively they limit that to a game suspension instead of three game suspension. I could see that as a, a middle ground. Plus the other VAR call, that's probably the first time that there's been a mis uh, use, a miscommunication about what was being challenged on the VAR, whether the goal was onside or offside. Because in the past, there's obviously a lot of debate around both the usage of VAR, when to use it, and then the actual call once var has been used but this feels like the first time that someone legitimately just messed up var and like thought they were looking at something else in the booth and weren't and liverpool got screwed which has come out now post game so 
that'll be a, a stinger for Liverpool fans on top of the fact that they lost in the last minute, which we'll get to. Let's get in. Let's get into some games. Why not? Because there was a ton of upsets, like you said, and none other. First of all, starting with Aston Villa, Brighton, six to one, an absolute freaking wreckage of Brighton, who started the season so hot. Ollie Watkins with a hat trick. He was feeling pretty good after his hat trick. Yeah, it's nice. I always like to score goals. Um, always to help the team to win. That's um, that's even better. He always likes to score goals. Yep, that is uh, that is is genuine. And Villa just kind of proved that they're they're a serious player. They're a serious player in this league. They got Diaby. They got a couple other players. It was like, oh, they could do something this year, but this feels like they've cemented their status in top ten challenger, top six challenger on a, a per game basis. How did you feel watching that one? I think that they're they're starting to maybe hit that form that we all expected them to to be in at the at the beginning of the season um, as a clearly well run and organized team with very dangerous and explosive um, uh, components. Um, when you watch when you rewatch it, it's uh, it's Villa just hitting their points early and and pretty pretty clinically uh, early on. To the point where you know, twenty five minutes in, they're already up three nothing at home against Brighton. Which, regardless of whether you are Arsenal or City, you know any other team in the top three, I, I don't think when you're down three nothing away from home, the chances uh, that you jump back in the game are are that <laughs> that likely. Um, so. In that context, it made a lot of sense that Villa started to run away with it. But regardless, I, my biggest takeaway was I think Ollie Watkins clearly is is showing himself to be an extremely competent and lethal finisher, and someone who, if if a top four team you know made a move for him, um, you know if Villa was like really struggling bottom of the table and they could they could kind of sneak him away, I, I think that'd be a worthwhile investment. Feels like he could be a great um, central forward on on any team, very mobile pretty durable and and a very good finisher he might be coming into his prime right now 27 just just double check that and he had a a strong last year and if he if he elevates this year even further he could become that english striker he become that top four target for a a big team to replace you know like a chelsea striker that's not working out for example or, or someone like that second game of the weekend crystal palace man you this was a tough one 1-0 1-0 Crystal Palace, Joachim Anderson off a, a free kick corner. So that was a set piece. Corner. One of the two off a corner. Eze with the assist. Either way, tough game for lifeless, dare I say, Man U at the moment. Yeah. That, I mean, it's um, there, there really aren't a lot of <laughs> positives to take out. Um, with the news that Lissandra Martinez is out, for at least another two to three months as he's, he's going back under the knife uh, to repair his already surgically um, um, handled meniscus tear, not meniscus, but metatarsal tear or rupture, whatever it was. Um, so Lissandro's out, Shaw's out for a while. I, it's, I don't, this United team, I, I genuinely, if you couldn't, if they couldn't make that happen, if they couldn't beat Palace at home with the roster they still have at the moment, I, I don't know. It's 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 really not looking good. Um, playing Champions League, playing all the cup matches that are to come. Um, they could they could get another added body in depth, but 
it's it's not looking great. I, I think United might need to start wrestling with the fact that they're they're aiming for Europa League next year. But maybe it's early. Maybe I'm just very pessimistic. But it's not looking good. Big man thing, yeah. It's not looking good, Bev. It's not looking good. It is not. And we were talking about how expectations may have already shifted from both United supporters and just Premier League supporters that if United were to squeak squeak into the top four, that would be a big success this year. More likely looking like, you know, they're challenging for five, six, seven Europa League Conference League spots. Newcastle 2-0 over Burnley. It's just felt like a game where the better team eventually was going to come back out on top. And Newcastle scored a pretty nice goal from Almiron in the 14th minute, followed by an Isak penalty later in the game. Burnley had some chances, but it's just hard to beat Newcastle at home. They're just a, a solid team, and you know they have enough talent, even with uh, playing multiple competitions, that they're just going to outclass Burnley on a given day. And they just they just took that one two 0 Let's talk about the other big upset: Wolves two one over. Lee leaders city uh, undefeated up until this point we had an incredible netto run for that first goal uh full field just outpaced Ake swung it across ended up in an own goal but that was all Neto's doing for Wolves Julian Alvarez beautiful free kick to get city back into it and then Huang Hee Chan put Wolves up for good 2-1 sticking with the play after a deflection from his original shot. And you could just tell what it means to the Wolves fan and also to the rest of us neutral supporters who are excited about City finally, finally going down. Yeah. I mean, this Wolves team, it's starting to look a little bit like the Wolves team from, you know, two years ago or three years ago when they first started ending up on the, showing up on the scene with their practically, you know, 100% Portuguese team. And, um, and, and just being such a fickle team to try to play against always in the game. Um, and, um, and just lethal on the counter, uh, Neto, I'm very excited for Neto. Uh, two years ago, he had a very good year showing as a very talented and, and had a, a lot of potential as a, as a, just a dangerous winger, um, was injured last year. The Wolves team was kind of crumbling. It was hard for him to find his footing. Very exciting for him to clearly show that that he is back and um, and in in top form. Um, I'm hopeful that he continues it and uh, Wolves continue to be an upset squad and keep shaking things up. Look, we're gonna shake things up. Dave, Penny's going on the block. You're my first call. It's just a shocking win for Wolves. They've not had a great season so far. The only team they beat to date was Everton, who just lost to Luton, and they tied Wolves tied Luton. Uh, so to beat city, we were talking about, or you, you were telling me more about how Calvin Phillips is getting panned right now for the job he's doing, filling in for, for Rodri on city. Do you think that says more about Calvin Phillips and just him sinking out of form since his leads days or just how good Rodri and how important he is for city? You know, it's probably a little of both. I, I, I imagine it's also tough. Uh, yeah, it, it maybe so. Maybe it does slide a little bit more tough to replace Rodri in that City is such a uh, well-oiled machine that uh, I can imagine just trying to hop into the literal center of it 
uh, after playing so few games, getting such such few times um, in in the actual Premier League like field of play that and speed of play that I'm I'm sure things are flying by him and and he's not able to keep up and and really help City stay at the standard that they're they're used to. So it's probably a little bit of all of that. Um, and, and ultimately too, you know, they're, they're playing away from home. I do think playing away from home when things are going against you, uh, is an insurmountable odd that whether you're city or, uh, Brighton, uh, it's almost impossible to, to climb up those hills. Team that did not struggle on the road was Arsenal winning four nil at Bournemouth. And they just looked like a machine. This was a good day for Arsenal. Everyone got in on the fun. Saka kicked off the scoring. Odegaard and Havertz got a penalty. Havertz finally gets his first Arsenal goal. I'm sure the team wanted to give him a bit of a confidence boost, granting him that pen. And then a pretty important goal in the the third minute of extra time to make it 4-0 Arsenal, because that was Ben White, which uh, led Max to his fantasy Premier League victory over me this week. So that was a pretty important goal, actually. Um, and Arsenal keeps rolling, setting up a massive, massive ma- clash against City next week. So that'll be one that we'll for sure tune into. West Ham 2-0 over Sheffield. Again, just seemed like similar to Newcastle 2-0 over Burnley. Better team, outclasses the, the worst performing team. Bowen scores again. He's been having a, a killer season so far. Susek scores as well for West Ham. And they took down Sheffield 2-0 at home. Last couple of games, this is where it got got interesting. We had Luton getting their first win 2-1 to one over Everton. That's it. Luton Town have landed in the Premier League. The Hatters are up and running with a maiden victory this season and a precious three points. Did you check out these highlights or watch, watch part of this game, Jones? I caught some of it. Yeah, um, Luton Luton just hit Everton while they weren't really fully focused on the game in the first half, um, and uh, and then Everton really couldn't make the make the push that they need to. Uh, I I think it it also speaks to just how this Everton fan base feels because that crowd at at uh, at Goodison really doesn't seem to be behind this team. Doesn't really actually believe in it. Um, and it, it, it proves case in point when you have a team who is very much pegged to be the the worst ever potential uh, Premier League team coming into their home and uh, and taking away a full three points. Um, but it's it's tough. I, I I can't imagine I can't imagine really the either of those teams making it out of out of the Prem uh, after after seeing that re- result. This was a struggle city duel. Agreed with you. Fans seem nervous. The couple of fans I know in my life, a couple of Everton fans are praying at this point for any sort of points, really, uh, until lose two one to, to Luton Town does not make those prayers feel heard. So that was a that was a tough one for Everton fans. We'll see if they can bounce back. It finally felt like they were getting some form. They won a really game. They won their cup game midweek, but that uh, that kind of kills all your momentum when you lose to. Luton Town for the first victory in their history. So that's a tough one for Everton. This was the big matchup of the weekend. Tottenham-Liverpool. 2-1 to one Tottenham. We referred to some of the drama around this game at the start of the episode. The red card, the incorrect VAR decision. 
And ultimately Tottenham scored that goal in the last 30 seconds of play. Just a, a lucky goal where Pedro Porro makes a run to the end line, whips the ball across, and Matip was devastated to, to direct it into his own goal. Um, and that was just, that's a tough one for Liverpool to lose and a huge one for, for Tottenham to win to kind of keep their incredible start to the season going. We were talking about this watching the game. Coming into the game, both teams were touted as being top, uh, be- best, some of the best teams in Europe in form. Um, leaving the game, uh, I, I don't think I fully believe that either of these teams truly is, is vying for a, a prem title. Um, and, and while both are clearly, you know, comfortably in a top four race, I don't fully believe in either of these teams just yet. Um, and I think a big piece of that is, is, is depth. Um, I think a couple of these teams start taking on some injuries and, and we would see some, some pretty severe dips in form. Uh, but both of which I believe are lucky not to be in the champions league right now. And so hopefully they'll be able to stave off, um, injuries and, um, save the travels. Um, net net, regardless again, of fandom Liverpool was absolutely shafted, um, some of those calls were egregious, and uh, I'm sure karma will have to come back their way in some form, either against Tottenham or in Liverpool's favor in the in the coming weeks. I didn't even mention Liverpool got a second red, and so they were down to nine men. That's right. We were at a bar with a bunch of mainly Liverpool fans and some Tottenham fans, and it was a great atmosphere because that's the first kind of rivalry game we've been at a, a social scene watching where there's people genuinely cheering for both sides, and so... They they seem pretty gutted as well. Their team had put in such a such a hard shift with nine men against Tottenham. So that's a, a brutal one for for Liverpool to lose. Last matchup of the game week, another red card involved, um, but a, a bit of a different outcome for Nottingham Forest, who drew one one to Brentford at home. They got a red card in the fifty sixth minute on what was kind of a awkward, clumsy challenge to pick up a, a second yellow and. Directly afterwards, Brentford scores on that free kick, goes up 1-0, but Nottingham Forest seven minutes later scores to tie it up, and then they held on for that that point. So that was a felt like a good a good point for, for Nottingham in the Prem as they continue a pretty solid start to their uh, Premier League journey. That wraps up our games that have happened so far, but we've got two left that we should probably throw some predictions around for. Fulham, Chelsea, Chelsea... They're the underdog. They're in freaking 15th and Fulham's in 12th. So do we think that the underdog, the small David Chelsea are going to pull through versus Goliath Fulham on Monday? I, you know, it, it really, it's hard to, it's hard to figure out what Chelsea team is going to show up. I think the knee jerk is, uh, if they've been in this middling pretty crappy form then they'll continue to be in it the inertia as you say but i i don't know i also don't really believe in this fulham team i think it's an it's an inter-london rivalry point um so i'm gonna i'm gonna say chelsea's up for it um and and they they actually they they break they break it open a little bit and they they win three three to one three one i'll go two oh chelsea just feels like fulham doesn't have the depth the firepower if chelsea can finally score a couple goals so I'm with you. I think Chelsea wins by two. And then one more double game week match for Luton and Burnley. Good news for your fantasy squads. 
bad news for the rest of us. I guess it's an extra game. It's a free game. It's a free game to watch on Tuesday, so I shouldn't uh, I shouldn't be too rude. Luton Burnley. I'll go. Let's see. Luton at home. Can they build off of that two one Everton win? I don't think so. I think they are who they are. Burnley is just a bit better, and uh, with them at home, I'll go one one. I'll go one one. Luton Burnley. All right, I'm going. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Uh, Luton. I'm gonna go Luton one zero, and they hold on for dear life. Dear life. Dear life. Dear life. They pull it off, and 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 they're starting to climb up the table. What a call! On their way to top six potentially. <laughs> right. The the uh, they're about to break a record for most wins in a row. Actually, that's, <laughs> that's that's what I'm really predicting here. That's a much hotter take than picking them one over Burnley. That they're about to set the the undefeated record and take over Arsenal Invincibles. One, two, three. Welcome to the show. Can you feel it? This is my station. Let's finish with some shout outs of the week. I'll go first. Jones and I had a lovely day today where he took me to this superstore, H Mart, Korean supermarket, a bunch of great food, a bunch of new and exciting dishes for me, things I could bring home in my cart. And I'm very excited. So that's a dual shout out to both H Mart because they paid us a ton. Interesting sponsorship. I agree. And to Jones for introducing me to that that new experience. Yeah, HMR. That was that was a great that was a great time. And it's it's great, you know, it's great to bring a a new set of eyes with me. You you were exploring some of those snacks, some of those little those little treats that I hadn't really explored, those international little treats. That was that was a fun little moment we had there. I kept walking around screaming, What's this? What's this? <laughs> and you just you just you thought it was great that I was so curious and so passionate about everything I saw. Well, you asked in Korean, which is what I appreciated. You were you were really um, soaking in the culture, and so as we do, people people didn't think we were as rude. Um, my shout out of the week goes to uh, a new friend, a new friend of mine. Uh, met him at the park on Friday. His name's Nikola Vucevic. He's uh, he's actually a professional basketball player that um, that uh, Eli and I we were while while we were both shooting hoops at our local elementary school like playground area uh, happened to notice a seven foot three dad playing with his kids and <laughs> we put one in seven foot three together and realized oh that's that's eight foot that's three. a professional basketball <laughs> yeah that's a that's a large uh, Montenegrin. Um, and, uh, took, took a couple photos and, uh, he confirmed his, his fandom does not lie in the premiership, but rather the, uh, Serie A and, and Juventus. Um, but what a man. And, uh, I'm, I'm excited to call him a friend. Well said. That was quite the, quite the memory we shared together. Also not as a, a plug for our own abilities, but we did hit a bunch of shots. We were shooting around and we kept seeing him eye us. So we almost felt obligated to go over and be like, Oh, we don't know if we could try out. It depends when it is. You know, like we have full-time jobs. We're not sure if the Bulls can kind of work in our in our lives at this point. So that was a productive conversation with him. So thanks, Fooch. Appreciate it. Yeah, the, the thing people forget is that he asked us for the photos, which we had to, we had to remind. Because people just assume that we had we had to ask him. But he was he was a little shy about it, but he eventually grew up, asked us for the snaps. You probably didn't assume that, listener, because you respect us and you know what we're capable of. And, you know, that's why we're on the same page and that's why we appreciate you. And that's why we'll 
See you next week for Game Week 8. Love you. Bye.